When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Everybody, welcome into our Super Bowl reaction show here on Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and it is Patrick Mahomes' world, and we are all just living in it. This is uh, now an incredible dynasty, and we thought it was over after Tom Brady, and then Patrick Mahomes has picked up where Tom Brady left off. And for me, this game is kind of defined in a lot of ways by the opportunities that San Francisco missed, the small mistakes that were made throughout the game that left the door open for Patrick Mahomes after an ugly start to the season. Uh, I'm sorry, to the game uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they really struggled off the bat. You had people kind of freaking out a little bit. Travis Kelsey kind of freaking out a bit. I guess it actually was right that it was an ugly start to the season as well for Kansas City, and they got it together. And that that's what Patrick Mahomes does for you, right, is that no matter what you go through, no matter what troubles you have throughout the year, receivers dropping passes, drama, attention from all angles for the Kansas City Chiefs throughout this season, and then at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes shows up, takes them through one of the most incredible runs in the playoffs that has ever happened. If you consider the teams they had to face, they had to beat the Miami Dolphins in a really difficult game in freezing weather. And then they had to go to Buffalo and win in an incredibly difficult place to win. Go to Baltimore, beat probably the best team in the NFL. And then despite getting down in this game, despite struggling in this game, they end up finding a way to win on a Patrick Mahomes first down run on fourth down. He scrambled again uh, at the end of the game there to get another big gain. And that is kind of reminiscent of what happened last year against Philadelphia is his scrambling ending up playing a huge role at the end of the night. And Kansas City is once again the Super Bowl champions and the team that everybody else has to envy and has to chase and I think when we're talking about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if you couldn't put Patrick Mahomes there yet, you most certainly can after this game. And, you know, I, I think uh, this is a really interesting question that uh, Harbor asks here. In hindsight, the Niners should have gone for it on fourth down. It was, I think, fourth and four when they kicked the field goal. And the crazy part is San Francisco's defense gets them to fourth and one. And you need to stop on fourth and one and instead finds a way. But you're probably right. I mean, they went for it on a fourth down earlier in the game and they ended up getting that fourth down. And uh, it's funny how that won't be debated. That fourth down Kyle Shanahan went for because we only debate uh, Dan Campbell fourth downs when they get missed. But if you had to do it again, yes, you would have gone for it at the end of the game. And it's a bunch of little things for San Francisco that added up to giving Mahomes these opportunities. I mean, how about a punt that goes off of the foot of a San Francisco player? How about a blocked extra point? Now, if not for the blocked extra point, then maybe uh, the Chiefs are playing for a touchdown at the end and they score it. Who knows how that ends up playing out? But the special teams were a special part of this game. And I think what Patrick Mahomes 
teaches us is that when you are the greatest, nobody else can ever make a mistake. They can never open the door because that guy will smash through it. It was true of Michael Jordan. It was true of Kobe Bryant. It's true of Steph Curry. It's true of Tom Brady that anytime a team makes a mistake, this guy finds a way to take advantage. And just like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes could have no Super Bowls. In every one of these, they were down, and then they found a way to come back because all the tiniest mistakes will add up to give that man an opportunity to come back and win. And what else can you say about Kansas City and, and about Patrick Mahomes that they always just find a way? I, I would add, though, that it was very impressive throughout this game the way that Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, called this game. I think they did a really brilliant job. San Francisco was moving the ball early in the game, but San Francisco got a little bit uh, anxious, I thought, and, and didn't run the ball as much as they were early in the game because Christian McCaffrey was incredible in this football game. But there was a section of time when they came out of halftime where they just didn't really give it to McCaffrey very often and their uh, offense got stagnant. And I thought Spagnolo did a really good job of messing with them a bit, messing with Brock Purdy. And in the biggest moment, they have a defensive tackle who repeatedly Chris Jones over and over and over again finds a way to get in a quarterback's face when there's a chance for that quarterback to win. You think about Buffalo, go back to that game. Josh Allen, late in that game, has a chance to throw a touchdown. Chris Jones breaks through and he's not able to make the throw. Same here, where you could see that Jawan Jennings was going to be open and at the, instead, he couldn't get him the ball because Chris Jones was in his face. The other part of this, too, that really stood out to me as far as Kansas City and their defense is just how impressive their secondary is. That if you have a secondary like that, I, it's it's really, really difficult, even if you have great wide receivers. So they had, you know, Debo Samuel's a bit banged up. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was not a huge part of this football game. George Kittle was not a big part of this football game. And one of the main reasons was because of the way that the secondary performed for the Chiefs, Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie. I mean, if we're taking away lessons for the Minnesota Vikings, as we so often try to do, having Mahomes isn't a lesson. That's a hope and that's a dream. Although you do only get that guy through the draft. So maybe that's your lesson. But the other lesson is that the secondary that the Vikings had this year, you can't just have an average secondary, a mediocre secondary, and hope that it's going to work out. And from the other side of things, we also saw on the defensive line, and both defensive lines played really well in this game, but San Francisco gave the Chiefs a lot of problems. They did not let Isaiah Pacheco get going. They didn't uh, allow the Chiefs to get first downs uh, uh, with running the football. And that was a big part of it, too, that they really forced Mahomes to have to do a lot and his weapons to have to do a lot because of the talent that they had. So a little bit different style in the way that they're built. But I think in a big game like this, you see how important those elements are on defense. And even though it's Mahomes that wins championships, not necessarily defense in this case. Uh, their defense played a massive role, and it's just unfortunate for the 49ers, for Kyle Shanahan, who has been an unbelievable coach throughout his career. And in this game, there will be stuff that you go back and you look at, and the start of the second half is probably part of it. You had to figure early in the game when San Francisco did not take advantage of some of those Kansas City mistakes and Travis Kelsey pushing his coach coming off of the sideline. like They were losing it a little bit. And San Francisco was not able to get touchdowns that, you know, they had to kick a field goal. They did get in the end zone on the throw from Jawan Jennings, but there were opportunities for them to score and go up in that game. And that's been Kansas City all year long is that, you know, they've drafted well on defense. They've built a really, really strong unit. They have a great defensive coordinator, a lot of talent. And they were able to hold down San Francisco long enough to give Mahomes a chance to start getting in rhythm, start getting the football to Travis Kelsey. And then in one of the biggest moments, 
Kelsey showing why he's so great, burning Fred Warner off the line of scrimmage to set up the tying field goal. Um, I am curious, uh, your guys' reaction to a lot of things in this game. The new overtime rules, although it wouldn't have mattered because the last overtime rules still would have meant a field goal and then you go down and score a touchdown and it's over. Um, But for sure, the decisions here will be talked about all week for both teams. But in the end, I thought it ended up being a great Super Bowl. I mean, it was boring in the first half, and you guys can make your own decisions on the halftime show, although I am a big fan as a guitar player of her, and it was great to see her come out and rip a solo. So that was cool for me. You guys can decide otherwise whether you liked it or not. But uh, after the halftime show, I felt fatigued. I was like, this game is ugly. It's slow. There are some penalties. Not too much over refing, which I have to appreciate that the referees were not a part of this thing at all. There was a hold late in the game from Trent McDuffie that was super obvious. Uh, there were a couple close calls on spots that you know I thought they mostly got right for those spots. Uh, the majority of the penalties were offside. There was a holding or two that was really obvious. There was a, a handoff uh, by the 49ers. And that was another play that really killed them. There was a handoff by the 49ers where their backup tight end clearly held. And instead of having a first down, it ends up backing them up. And that may have played a role in them not getting in the end zone and leaving the door open. And that's what I mean is when you play against Mahomes. You're always leaving the door open just to crack, and he's going to smash right through it like the old high C commercials. I mean, that's that's who he is. That's what the greatest do. That's what Tom Brady did for so long. And you can't do anything but just respect it and marvel at it and maybe be a little frustrated. Uh, Adam says, Matthew, do you think overall NFL fans get fatigued from dynasties? I found myself pretty bored with this matchup and even more annoyed at the very predictable outcome like the Patriots all over. I don't think on the whole dynasties are bad for sports. I do think that they are frustrating, though. I mean, you have the best player in the world, Patrick Mahomes, and then you have a good organization, you have good coaching, offense and defense, and then they have a draft where they get a couple of guys who are really good players. Trent McDuffie's great. Uh, Corlaftis is great to go along with Chris Jones. And all of a sudden, they're just super, super hard to beat. And it really felt like this year, just kind of in the same way that it was for Brady a few times, like, oh, you know, maybe they're maybe they are a little bit more beatable. Maybe they're a little more human. And then it turns out they're not. I mean, I think they only finished 11th in scoring this year, and it just didn't matter because when it came down to it, uh, they were a good enough complete team around the greatest player in the world. And he had to do a lot in this game because there were some drops out there and there was no real running game. His offensive tackles were getting destroyed by Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa could have been the MVP of this game had he uh, won. Uh, maybe Jennings would have gotten it, but Bosa was an absolute monster throughout this game. And it just didn't matter because Mahomes made play after play after play and their defense kept them in it. Uh, is it frustrating? Is it fatiguing? As you say, I, I think that it is. Yeah. When you have the same team going year after year, I felt this way with the Patriots for sure, where you'd have all sorts of contenders showing up to try to take down the Patriots. And then, you know, they would find some way to give it away, whether it was Carolina kicking the ball out of bounds uh, and giving the Patriots the win or 28 to three. It feels that same way where you're like the 49ers could have won both their Super Bowls against the chiefs. They were this close and to have it happen in overtime is absolutely crushing. Uh, Tim says Shanahan is this era's Dan Reeves. I know, I know. Or uh, I guess, it didn't, he didn't get as deep in the playoffs, but Marty Schottenheimer was the same way. A great, great, phenomenal coach, a phenomenal organization. You dream to build your team like this. When you're watching this team out there, they're a better overall team than the Chiefs. They're stacked with all pros at every single level. And Brock Purdy, there's going to be discussion about Brock Purdy. He made some big plays at big times and had them right there, third and four, score a touchdown, and this game goes on, and the worst you can do is tie. And instead, you know, some pressure came, couldn't make the play. And I guess if you believe that Brock Purdy is just a game manager and he's not good enough, then you don't have to be wrong today. Uh, but if you believe Brock Purdy is great and maybe all they needed to do was 
catch a punt and make an extra point, then you could also say that. I thought that overall Brock Purdy played well enough to win. There were times where maybe Kyle Shanahan wasn't at his best. And is it choking or is it just regular mistakes that get made all the time in football, but they're elevated by the fact that you're playing against Mahomes and he always takes advantage of them. So, I mean, my opinion of, of Brock Purdy won't change. I, th I think he's been a great quarterback all year long who throws the ball to the right place, makes a lot of plays and made a lot of plays in this game, but he's not the greatest quarterback. And the other team had the greatest quarterback, and that's how they end up winning. I mean, geez, the guy leads. Think about this. The thin margins for the narratives we tell. The guy leads a go-ahead drive in overtime and did a great job on that drive. Gets them right there. They kick a field goal. They take a lead. The other team has fourth and one. They get a stop on fourth and one. Brock Purdy, Super Bowl champion. And then we're having that conversation about San Francisco and what they can be going forward. But instead, Patrick Mahomes... It is again. Uh, Horse Feathers asks, is Mahomes going to be the new Brady? Blah, blah. We have no prayers now. <laughs> Got to give it to him. His due, though. Uh, he knows how to come back and win a game for sure. When you have that guy, historically, it's always kind of been this way. Dynasties are a part of football in the same way they are with basketball. It's, basketball is known more for it, where it's Lakers and Celtics. Uh, but if you look at the AFC before Mahomes got there, how many years was it where it was Brady, Manning, or Roethlisberger? I think there was some stretch of like 15 years where it was only those guys in the AFC and then Joe Flacco mixed in one time and Phillip Rivers got left out of that party and plenty of other good teams and quarterbacks along the way. It's, I mean, you got to feel for the 49ers, for Kyle Shanahan. I mean, this guy has left a graveyard, just a graveyard of greatness all around him. The only comparison I can make is Jordan with Charles Barkley, with Reggie Miller, with Patrick Ewing, where Jordan just set down so many all-time great basketball players in the same way that Mahomes has put down one of the greatest coaches of the generation twice now in the Super Bowl. And he's put down Josh Allen. He's put down everybody else in the AFC who's been great over these years. And what else can you say about it? You can't be mad about it. You can, you can be jealous, I guess, and just say like, Hey, you know, at one point, the only thing I could say to, to make you feel a little better is at one point, Kansas city was the AFC version of the Minnesota Vikings. They were the team that was always good, but not quite great. They had Trent green, who I think is actually a great Kirk cousins comparison that you go back to Elvis Gerback, old Joe Montana, like through the years. A lot of good quarterbacks who couldn't quite get it done. Alex Smith, they get the great quarterback, and off you go. And if you get the greatest quarterback, you're going to be there every single year. And the only difference between Mahomes and someone like Drew Brees is just that things worked out. A lot of times things worked out. Josh Allen misses a pass. Brock Purdy misses a pass. A guy fumbles off his foot. And then you're Mahomes, you know, and, and Drew Brees had a lot of those go wrong, including the Minneapolis miracle, uh, the, the pass interference that wasn't the fumble. So a lot of times like, that's the difference between the all time greats. But what Patrick Mahomes has that some of the all time greats did not have is this ability to run and scramble and make a play when it's most needed fourth down, he ends up running for the first down and then does it again for another key gain in overtime. And you can't criticize it. You can't knock it. You can't try to say, well, if only this, that, the other thing, this guy, the MVPs he's put up, it just feels inevitable. It feels unbeatable. And I remember saying when I was spending the week out on radio row in Vegas, and I'm going on different shows and everyone asks you, of course, what's your pick for the game? And with every time I was like, San Francisco's the better team, Kansas city wins. And that was my pick because of Patrick Mahomes. And at the end of the day, even with all the struggles that went into this game, the best quarterback so often ends up winning. And uh, I, the only lesson I could give you from that is just try to find him. Keep taking shots at him. Don't settle for anything else because it won't get you there. Because at the end of the day, somebody's going to have a better team. Somebody's going to have a better quarterback if you settle for anything else. Um, Aaron says, you can't keep watching Mahomes do what he does in the playoffs at Super Bowl and think you should move forward with Cousins. Yeah, I think that's a very clear 
take away regardless of what happened in this game because the quarterbacks were are both a lesson in this game. One of them is a, a playmaking freak boy in Patrick Mahomes, and then the other one is very cheap. And that's how they build a roster with all those all pros. I mean, Javon Hargrave was a monster in this game. How do you think they got him by having a cheap quarterback? That's how they got him because Pat, because uh, Brock Purdy makes $800,000 so they could go out and add Chase Young. They could go out and add Javon Hargrave and the defensive line of the 49ers almost did it. They almost did what Tampa Bay did to Mahomes, but man, just another find a way. Find a way, find a way. Uh, Tim makes a good point. They went away from the run game when McCaffrey was rolling. Yep. And that is probably going to be a criticism of Kyle Shanahan coming out of this game. And for me, it's hard because it's, I get that. I get that. And there were definitely times in this game where I went, where is McCaffrey? He's just playing so well. They can't stop him. Stick with the run. Stick with the run because they were pressuring Purdy. They were forcing him out of the pocket and they were covering those wide receivers extremely well. Their, their coverage, if there's a big thing for the Vikings to take out of this, it's you have to do better at corner. You can't just say, oh, Byron Murphy, you're fine. A Caleb Evans, let's draft a guy in the fourth and hope and dream. I mean, coverage can cause all sorts of problems. And it did for Brock Purdy. I mean, how many plays Trent McDuffie was in on multiple plays that could have been huge gains or touchdowns where he's knocking the ball away. And yes, I know the Vikings could have drafted him in 2022. So maybe someone will bring that up, but um, you know, it just, that that's a key part of it. It's never about one guy, but when you also have a team that's super well coached and is really well managed from the top, their front office made great decisions in the draft. They made good decision to move on from Tyree kill. They had wide receivers step up today. Rasheed rice is a star. Like that guy's going to be good for a long time. And so they have managed everything around Patrick Mahomes extremely well. And that's the difference between having a good legendary quarterback and the greatest legendary quarterback, I think. Uh, Phil says, if you're a pocket passer, you wasn't winning against these uh, teams tonight. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Because when you get to the Super Bowl, more likely than not, you will play a really good defense. You'll play a great defensive line or you'll play a great secondary. And some of Purdy's best plays, this is the hard thing about Purdy. I thought he played extremely well throughout this game. And some of his best plays were off schedule. And they were where he had to kind of just boop that ball out to Christian McCaffrey, which if they stop Kansas City on fourth down, that's like a legendary play for Brock Purdy. The pocket collapsing and he just gets it out to McCaffrey and finds a way. It was a man. It was a really compelling game with so many different elements that we're going to debate forever. We're going to go back. I mean, the extra point being blocked was just such a huge thing. And how about Jake Moody? If you're that guy. You nailed two 50-yard field goals, but you had one block that was ultimately costly. So how, do, how does that guy feel, right? Folks, have you ever heard of test driving a phone network? I did not make this up. It is an actual thing. And U.S. Cellular is letting you test drive their network for free for 30 days. You can try out U.S. Cellular wherever you have that spotty service, like on your commute to work, that one spot in your house where your service dips. Test drive U.S. Cellular at your kid's school on parent-teacher night. Okay, maybe still pay attention, but by all means, make sure you test it. It's as easy as doing a little boop, boop, boop on your phone. That was me getting the app to try it out. I know, great sound effects there. Test drive U.S. Cellular's award-winning network for 30 days. U.S. Cellular built for us. Terms apply. Awards based on open signal independent data. Visit uscellular.com for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gosh, what a game. What a game it ended up being. The second half. And, and, and a lot of Super Bowls are like this. You know, I like to go back and watch these games. A lot of Super Bowls, because everyone's so tight and anxious, 
they have they are like this where the first half and i think i was watching the patriots versus the giants the second version uh was that 2011 the second one the other night is the same sort of thing very low scoring in the first half starts to get going like crazy in the second and and ends up being a classic and i thought this ultimately ended up being a classic super bowl so it was worth it it's just that a lot of you were kind of hoping somebody different would win it and then the air goes out of the building when Patrick Mahomes once again comes home with a victory. But here's another thing to remember. Just always remember this. And I'll probably bring this up 174 times between now and whatever the decision is for the Vikings at quarterback in the draft and so forth, which I've got a rumor from Tom Pelissero to get to. It's in the headline. So it's I mean, I'm not teasing it too, too well here. But uh, Patrick Mahomes was not a highly regarded NFL quarterback prospect by mock drafters, big board makers, draft analysts. There were some who really liked him, and there were some who thought he was just kind of like a, a ball of clay, a moldable prospect that had bad footwork and played for a weird offense and just had a big arm and wasn't going to be anything right away. And he wasn't anything right away. He was on the bench for a year. And now he's the greatest quarterback of a generation and is going to make an argument. The guy's 28. He's going to make an argument for being the best quarterback ever at the end of the day. And yet all those draft reports that you read, and this is not to criticize those people. They do the job the best they can. And the point is just that nobody really knows, but you have to pick one in order to get Patrick Mahomes. And sometimes it might blow up in your face, but you don't get it unless you believe in one and you take that shot because all these things that we'll read about this guy's shortcomings, that guy's shortcomings. Oh, he's not going to be this. His footwork isn't that or whatever. A lot of times it just doesn't turn out to be what it is a good or bad. You know, Zach Wilson was supposed to be the next Mahomes and he definitely is not. And I think about that all the time about quarterbacks who were drafted higher than Mahomes, like Mitch Trubisky. You just us, the NFL, nobody really knows. When it comes to quarterbacks and gosh, is this guy the best proof? There were mock drafts going into the 2017 draft that had Patrick Mahomes being drafted 20th, 25th. And then when they drafted him, go back and look at some of that analysis. A lot of analysts thought, well, the Chiefs did a crazy thing. They already have a quarterback. What are they doing? That was a lot of the analysis on the day that they made that trade. And now a third Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. So something to keep in mind for uh, the Minnesota Vikings as they go to make that decision is, I don't know how in the world you could watch these playoffs and this Super Bowl and think, yeah, let's bring back Kirk. What a good idea. I, I just don't know. Because at that point, you are just admitting we don't want to compete. We don't want to compete for that trophy. We want to compete for the fake trophy. We want to compete for maybe we'll win the division. Maybe we'll get in the wild card. Maybe people will still be talking about us into December while we compete for the playoffs in a playoff spot. But at the end of the day, it's the it's the teams that are built like beasts or the teams that have the all-time great quarterbacks who are the ones that are playing for the big game. The ones who can make plays, the ones who are mobile, the ones that are dynamic, the ones that cannot be stopped by a simple blitz or a good coverage, the ones that make themselves unstoppable. That is how you actually play for the Super Bowl. So if they bring back Cousins, then they're admitting we're not playing for that trophy. We're playing for fake trophies. Uh, Otherwise, you should just draft somebody. Uh, Jared says the value of an elite defensive tackle, definitely a discussion that everyone needs to have. I feel uh, that they are sought after or or not, not talked about enough. Uh, feels like most teams just look for big humans who can tackle. Chris Jones is a special dude, man. Chris Jones is special. That guy will go into the hall of fame one day as one of the best defensive tackles ever. But your point is right on and something that has frustrated the heck out of me for a long time with this team that they have just not gone after a defensive tackle who can rush the passer. So while quarterback is at the absolute top of the list of a thing that they need to address, if they're going to try to get into this game and have a chance to fight against Mahomes at some point, they got to have pressure and it can't just be from one guy. I think what you saw too in this game was 
It, it, there's more than just one person up front. And the defensive tackles of Kansas City made some big plays in this game. They ran some really nice blitzes from Spagnolo, which we know Brian Flores is capable of. But at the end of the game, you need one guy to make a special play. And, you know, that guy was Daniil Hunter that, that they would lean on a lot. But now, you know, you, you might end up with Daniil Hunter being a Chicago Bear. So there's a lot of work there uh, to do. Javier says, Matthew, would you agree that after this game, the idea of a competitive rebuild has no place even when the most stacked team like the 49ers fails against the God mode quarterback like Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, so the competitive rebuild is fine uh, in the way that if it results in you picking a quarterback this year and building around that quarterback, then it will have worked out. And using the cap space, because you look at San Francisco, it is actually a good example. How did they get a lot of this talent? Well, they signed Javon Hargrave. They traded for Chase Young. They traded for Christian McCaffrey. They traded for Trent Williams. You can start acquiring these expensive, terrific players to fight against the best of the best, but you can't do it if you're paying $40 million to a quarterback. That's just a fact of life, I think. And there is a, a, a really good case for the Vikings drafting a quarterback, not just looking for Mahomes, but just looking for a Purdy. Like, can you get someone who's good enough to build the stacked roster around, but you definitely can't build that roster with a huge percentage of the cap space being taken up. And look, I, I was looking this up the other day, the highest percentage of the cap that Kirk has taken up over the years was 17%. That is crazy. Brock Purdy tonight was taken up, I think, about 1% of the salary cap. 17% to one player is just not feasible. Even if he takes a bit of a deal, you're still talking about, what, 12%, 15%, and you're supposed to work around that and acquire, what, a whole defense? Very, very hard to do. Uh, so I, I think that uh, San Francisco should be always looked at as if you're not going to have the all-time great quarterback, which only a couple teams have, then you need to be the team that at least can fight on another battleground. And San Francisco was this close fighting on the battleground of defense, running the football effectively. I thought, you know, their offensive line held up for a lot of the game. They just had a great, great team. Oh, it was Kool-Aid, not High C. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going for the old school reference there, and I messed that up. The High C man breaking through the wall. Uh, Mark says, is it uh, just me, or was there an abnormal amount of kickoffs going through the uprights? Soon, that is one thing I can't wait to see. Hopefully, the NFL will change the kickoff because it's like the Super Bowl is here. All the buildup, everything else. We've sung the anthem. We've sung God Bless America, every other song we can possibly sing. And here we go, Super Bowl. And the, it's kicked out of the back of the end zone. Like, we got to find a way to make that into some sort of exciting thing. Uh, Jared says nobody should complain about the refs. They were letting the, the DBs beat the hell out of the wide receivers all night long. No, that's true. And they let them play physically. And I think that that played really to the advantage of the Kansas City Chiefs. Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie uh, are very, very physical uh, with the receivers. But I thought it was sa the same on both sides. Off the line of scrimmage, we were seeing Travis Kelsey get beat up a lot. There was a lot of grabbing and everything else going on. Um, you know, in this game for both teams. And that is totally fine with me. I don't mind if we're going to have a super physical big, you know, fight on our hands between two physical talented teams. What nobody wanted to see was a bunch of flags. And when it was egregious, when there were some egregious holds on both sides, they called it. They did a great job. There was no controversy. They made the right call on the Kyle use check caught it. He was going down. He was able to reach out the ball, just like the Des Bryant thing. And instead it's been fixed. So I fix, I didn't mean to say fixed corrected. It's been corrected, but there was no refereeing controversies. And that was great. I would not have enjoyed that tonight. I thought both teams were allowed to play football and it ended up in a, an all time classic second half and uh, super interesting in the going to the overtime with the new overtime rules, which I'm, I'm good with. For the Super Bowl, let's let both quarterbacks touch the ball. It shouldn't just be somebody drives down, it's over. 
I am totally good with those rules. It's probably what they should have been the whole time. It's what everybody wishes they had back in 2009 with Brett Favre when they initially changed the rules. Uh, Mike says the 49ers may have won, but I hope this puts to bed the Purdy hate. Talking heads just haven't believed in him. He wasn't the reason they lost. He had them leading twice at the end. Purdy had a good game. Yeah, John says Purdy, Purdy did great. He did. Purdy had a really good game. He could not control what happened on that punt that went off the guy's leg. And then the very next play, it turns into a touchdown. I mean, gosh, that's just one of those bad breaks that you have to get or good breaks on, on the other side. Good break you have to get for the Chiefs in order to win the Super Bowl because Otherwise, it won't happen, and, and there's got to be a weird bounce. There's got to be a, a, a one play here or there that goes your way, and both teams had those. I mean, Pacheco fumbled. McCaffrey fumbled. Pacheco fumbled again. Marcus Valdez-Scantling caught the ball after a six-yard gain and ran backward eight yards. Like There were weird things that happened in this game that could have caused either team. So I didn't think that one team was like more unlucky than the other one, but clearly to me, the game changed on that ball hitting the 49ers guy's foot. And he'll go down now in the lore of 49ers failed times where they get so close. And that's a team that has such an amazing history, but is stacking up these close calls like crazy in recent years and largely because of Patrick Mahomes. But they were in the driver's seat at that point. And then they let a ball go off a guy's foot, totally random. Ray Raven clouds out there. Like it almost bounces to him and then it bounces away from him. And, and that really caused it. But as an overall game, Brock Purdy did enough to win. He did enough to put his team ahead in overtime and they needed one stop and could not get it against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Marty says Patrick's pocket presence is incredible. He just knows how to feel the pressure without having to look at the pressure. It's something that throughout history of football has always been a massive difference maker. And there's different ways that guys have done it. Uh, Tom Brady was great at navigating the pocket, stepping a little this way, stepping a little that way, getting rid of the ball super quick, knowing where his checkdowns are. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes does it in part with some of that stuff. And he beat a blitz or two in this game from Steve Wilkes that was huge, but also be, everybody seems like they're this close to getting him in the backfield and he just finds a way to escape. And that's something that if we compare again to the Vikings who feel like they are a triple a team, if you're a twins fan, who's their triple a team now it used to be the Rochester Red Wings. It feels like the Vikings are in triple a compared to the way these two football teams played and what they have. And part of it is in the mobility of the quarterback and the ability to make your play caller right when you're wrong. Like there were times in this game where Andy Reid called plays and they did not have anybody open. And Patrick Mahomes had to scramble, had to make a play. One, one time he's going to his right, has to throw back across his left. If you don't have that type of talent, I, I don't know how you're going to be here. I really don't. Um, Horse Feathers has really wanted to see Jennings get MVP. Hey, how about that? Uh, let's hope. <laughs> let's all hope. That that trick play, which was the exact same trick play, by the way, that the Vikings ran. And I'm, I'd be really curious to know if they'd won the Super Bowl, maybe we would have heard this. The Vikings ran that trick play with Jordan Addison throwing it to Ty Chandler. And it was called back because somebody was too far down the field, I think. Remember, or there was a holding. It was called back. It was the exact same play. And I really wonder if the 49ers stole that play from the Vikings because it was to a T with throw it to the left or run a reverse to the left and then have him look downfield like he's going to throw to the left side, turn back and throw to the running back. Uh, what a great, what a great game for Jawan Jennings. Seriously. Like he also converted a big third down late in the game, man. Um, Huge boy says Mahomes was trash before the 49ers defense got tired. Yeah. Uh, everybody was kind of trash early in this game. Really, both sides seemed really anxious and worked up and they were struggling. Uh, the 49ers jumped off sides like three times or, or false started like three times. That that was kind of bizarre. And it's the Super Bowl. So this happens sometimes. But allowing Mahomes to stay in it, you could have a 17 point lead. You could have a 21 point lead early in the game and you wouldn't feel safe. But they didn't put Mahomes in a position where he was having to come from way behind. 
he was always right there throughout the game. And if you look, that's the thing, like both teams are so good that they're not going to play perfect football against each other. They're not just going to roll up and down. Uh, but if you have your chance, you got to put the nail in the coffin or you're going to lose the Super Bowl. And that's what happened with San Francisco. But you're right. I mean, wearing out defenses, and this is why Mahomes is so freaking unbeatable because a lot of teams win one way. And San Francisco is like this. They win with running the ball and then playing off of that, right? That's what they do. Their receivers get open underneath with these crossing routes. They get them the football yards after catch. Like that's how they do it. They run tunnel screens and little quick pitches and stuff. And they're the best team in the league when getting yards after catch. And Kansas City took that away in a lot of ways today. And then all of a sudden, what was their counter punch? They don't have the greatest quarterback. So for the Chiefs, what they've done is since they don't hit too many deep shots anymore, they hit the one early in the game and then fumbled. But since they don't hit too many deep shots anymore, then they find ways to wear a defense down. So you're right. I mean, but you have to give Kansas City credit for that is that it's quick pass, quick pass, Mahomes scramble, handoff, quick pass. And they were a little bit too much on the uh, running side. But I mean, jeez. It is, how do you beat that team when they can shape shift anytime when they can have Justin Watson come up with a big play when they can have Blake Bell come up with a big play the, uh, McCole Hartman what like McCole Hartman wasn't even on this team at the beginning of the year he was a New York Jet and then he ends up catching a long pass and then the game winning touchdown and how brilliant with Andy Reid on that play call at the end with that little fake motion messed with the 49ers, get somebody open, win the game. It is a hard team to beat. And that's why nobody has yet. Uh, Ian says, uh, why not defer if you are the Niners in overtime? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, my guess is that it was because the 49ers defense had been on the field for so long that they had to um, just get a rest. Like they, they were exhausted because they had just gone, you know, down the field, down the field, down the field. Um, and uh, they had been on the field for a really long time. If they send them back out there against Mahomes, and maybe they thought the odds were different of them getting scored on. At the end of the day, you got to score that touchdown. If you're San Francisco, the opportunity was there. They just weren't able to do it and they weren't able to uh, close it out, man. I mean, jeez. Uh, ben says Purdy made an incredible play on the rollout to the right where he faked the guy out, chasing him down, then hit a guy for a first down. That That's the thing with Brock Purdy in this game is that if the takeaway is that Brock Purdy's not good enough, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe the takeaway was they got away from their run game early in the second half. Purdy was dealing with one of the best defenses in the league who did a great job against his receivers. He made a bunch of plays throughout the game that were very good, but it just wasn't enough. It just was not enough. You know, I, I really think that he played well enough to win the Super Bowl, but it just didn't happen. I mean, this is the this is the story of all the Mahomes and all the Brady Super Bowls is the Atlanta Falcons put up 28 points and just it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because they failed on a drive where they had a chance to put them away. They didn't do it. And Brady ends up coming back. And there's there's such a frustration. I remember this as a kid when I was growing up watching Michael Jordan. My favorite team was the New York Knicks. Imagine how I felt just like this, just like 49ers fans, just like everybody else, uh, just like Eagles fans last year. That was the Eagles big chance. That was their best team. And the 49ers, they're, they're going to run back a good team. But do you get better than this? This top to bottom team? I don't know. Scott says, what's frustrating is the Vikings not having a franchise quarterback since Fran Tarkenton. Culpepper could have been that, but blew up his knee and never recovered. Cousins is only paid like a franchise quarterback. And that's why you have to try to find one. And that's the only thing you can do is you just have to try to find one. Because everything else to the owners of the team may not feel pointless, but I think to the fans at this point kind of does like anything other than trying to chase it, to really chase being in this game and getting your shot at Mahomes. Anything short of that is just, is just wasting everybody's time. Like, could you have been in this game? No, absolutely not. And why is that? Well, in part, because you have just an okay quarterback 
who would not be able to go all the way through the playoffs without having a bad game or without, you know, coming apart at some point. And you have just an okay team. An okay quarterback, okay team. And one of the things that was real frustrating throughout the year was when people talked about, well, you know, they didn't fumble this ball or they didn't have this thing go wrong. Well, look at this game. It's a great example. Games will be that way. If you're playing close all the time, you can, you might win, you might lose, right? But the good teams win a lot throughout the season by a lot of points and don't put themselves in that position. And then we expect the playoffs to be played that way. But if you're playing that way in the regular season, it's always you win some, you lose some. That, that That's just... That's just how, like, that's how it is. You live and die on those one score games. They lived on 2022. They died this year on one score games, but that's not, that's not playing for a championship. That's just playing to have some entertainment on Sundays. They've been entertaining. Even when Nick Mullins played, it was entertaining. Was that playing for a championship though? Absolutely not. Uh, Willie says Brock had no time to throw Shanahan had no answer to the chief's defense. Their window is closing. Uh, I don't know how much their windows closing because Bosa is still young and Hargrave is, you know, in his prime, uh, they're, you know, they've got a lot of really good players. Fred Warner's not going anywhere. I feel terrible for uh, Greenlaw tearing his Achilles in this game in the Super Bowl when he was just running out there, but that's going to be an injury probably that takes him through the midway of next season. They're going to have their weapons going forward. Most of them are young. They can improve their offensive line, but whew, what the Philadelphia Eagles show you and the Falcons in 2017, like is it's so hard to get back. And that is what is incredible. And why I have so much respect for Kansas city as nauseating as they have become. And Patrick Mahomes is it's so hard to get back and they got back and they did it again. It's impossible. Almost nobody ever does this goes back to back and they did it. But for San Francisco, like you're saying, yeah, you get that close. It is extremely difficult. No matter how good you think you are to keep getting back because everybody else is coming for your crown. Renee says Mahomes has a sneaky quick twitch. It's like a blink and he's 10 yards deep. It's wild. It's funny how even, even, um, you know, when it comes to like the 40 and all that, all that draft stuff and everything else, when it comes to the 40 yard dash, uh, does that really like tell us who can actually make a play? I don't think it does. So, uh, Tim says, I wonder if the Wilfs are capable of getting out of their own way for long enough to get a championship. We may have to wait for new owners. Well, I think that I think we're going to find out because I have been really, really hesitant to criticize the owners of this team because I think that they executed a lot of the plan last off season in moving on from Delvin cook, Adam Thielen, Eric Hendricks. I, I think, I think that they were patient in doing that and probably understood that this year wasn't going to be a year to chase a championship. And I felt that weirdly as bad as the season was in the second half, they were getting closer every day to being a real contender because they were getting closer to move on from the quarterback start really building, have a pretty high draft pick and go forward that way. I thought it was progress for them to not screw up the salary cap again, just to bring back Adam Thielen. For example, that was progress for them. Now, can they get from point A to point B from the time that you hired Quasi and KOC to point B, which is a quarterback on a rookie contract, trading for talent, stacking talent, Hey, if the guy's good chips to the middle of the table, then you're doing everything you can to win. And we know that they can get people here. It's really just been money that they couldn't get people here with cap space and so forth. We know that they can, if they're good, because we've seen that before, like Sheldon Richardson wanted to show up here and play. They can, if they have the cap space and the flexibility to do it. And so now will they complete the plan and actually take a big swing at it? That uh, I do not know. CJ says uh, Daniels and JJ and Hawk equals Vikings, Mahomes, Tyreek and Kelsey. At least you're trying to be that. I mean, no one is ever going to be Mahomes, but at least you're trying to create something like that, where you have a dynamic quarterback who can make plays in the biggest moments, who can escape, who can scramble, who can just be moving one way or the other and flick the ball and, and make a play. I mean, is that, the quarterback they have now, definitely not. Could it be? Maybe. Maybe. The rumors are that they want to trade up. And uh, a lot of you watched that video about that, by the way. So you can go back and watch that one from last night. 
Uh, a Taleb, I think is how you pronounce your name. Uh, Vikings have a long way to go. That starts with drafting a quarterback. Must get one in the top three draft this year. Build O-line and D-line. And that's the thing. So there were more reports today about, you know, maybe the Giants want to move up. Maybe the Raiders want to move up. There's all sorts of moving parts here uh, that are, you know, the rumors and so forth that we get just before going to the combine. We'll get a lot more of that when we actually get there. And there's one that I want to talk about. I, we've talked about the Super Bowl a lot. I, I'm really enjoying the Super Bowl discussion, but I do want to get to one of these rumors that um, uh, that, that was out there today from Tom Pelissero. So I guess now is as good of a time as any. Uh, because I haven't had dinner yet. I was, I was so in, in, engulfed in the game that I just didn't even eat. So that's football, right? Got to eat. Uh, but this rumor with Sam Darnold and the Vikings from Tom Pelissero, he was talking about how the Vikings, he said, still want Kirk cousins back, but it's been, it's just getting very clear that they have a price. And if he takes it, then he's in. And if he doesn't, then he's out. So I guess it's up to you, Kirk and Kirk's going to weigh the interest. He's going to weigh what everybody else uh, is going to offer him. How many offers there's going to be. We don't know. Is Atlanta going to offer is, you know, Pittsburgh. There's a report that Pittsburgh wants to run back Kenny Pickett, which I just do not understand um, really at all. There's the Raiders. There's the Broncos have been kind of thrown out there because of the previous connection with George Payton if they move on from Russell Wilson. So a lot of moving parts. But if they move on from Cousins, Sam Darnold's name was brought up. And I got to say that I like it. Uh, I don't love it necessarily, but I like it because of what Tom Pelissero said after that, which was, and they would take a quarterback to develop or to potentially start. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think that Sam Darnold is still very talented. And we saw somebody like Geno Smith get in the right situation. Uh, we could certainly say that Sam Darnold never had the right situation until now. And they, with San Francisco, and he played only a little, played pretty well. But he's got arm talent. He definitely has a, a big time arm talent that might actually work with the Vikings wide receivers. If you compare what Sam Darnold had in New York and then had in Carolina, just horrible, just horrible talent, bad coaching, everything, not a good situation. So if he were to come here, work with Kevin O'Connell, apply the arm talent, have the receivers, have the offensive system that pushes the ball down the field, which he's good at, then, Hey, maybe you find something special, but you, of course, pair that with a draft pick. And you can sell me on... So then you can do a competitive rebuild draft pick. And maybe you don't have to trade up to number three. Or maybe you trade up to number three and you develop Jaden Daniels for a year and see what you have. And then if Sam Darnold is amazing, you trade him away and then play Jaden Daniels. I don't know. Like, there's a lot... It opens the door to a lot of possibilities for Darnold. And I did kind of think of Darnold. And uh, I think I brought it up maybe with Jeremiah Searles a couple of weeks ago, and he wasn't really into that idea. But I think as a bridge quarterback or a just in case or a let's roll the dice quarterback, I don't mind it at all. Not at all. I think that's a guy they should identify, especially since he was working there in San Francisco with presumably a good amount of the same concepts that they would bring in. But it has to be paired with a draft pick. You can't be telling me, well, you know, in the fourth round, they'll take Spencer Rattler and see what happened. No, 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 no. You got to swing for the fences. And Richard says, sorry, caller, love you, buddy. But after watching this game, if the Vikings bring back cousins, I'm out until they get a serious, uh, get serious about competing for a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I can't shut down the show until then. So I would follow along with the ride, but it would be very difficult it would be very difficult to convince me that you could ever get to this level with him as your quarterback, especially considering his age, his peak, his, his best parts of his career are now four years ago, five years ago. Is he getting better? I thought he was playing well some weeks, playing really well before he tore his Achilles. But who gets better at 36, 37, 38, except for like Rich Gannon? Anybody? I mean, that's not usually what ends up happening. That's not something that you would bet on. So I, I do wonder about the Vikings and there's a wide range of possibilities here. So there's the trade up, 
There's the Sam Darnold and Bo Nix option. If they wanted to do something like that, there there's going to be a ton of competition for trading up. And Daniel Jeremiah was fueling that fire. And then there's the question of what if nobody offers Kirk? Now, the, Pelicero said there's expected to be a market for him, but what if there's not? Like, what if the Falcons get Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield stays with the Bucks and uh, Denver is deciding that they're going to draft Bo Nix or something? And then Kirk comes back and says, you know what? I'll take that 30 million for two years. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you say yes at that point, but if that's how they're going to do it, then that leaves the door open. I, is it public posturing? Or is it real with the idea that they have a price on Cousins and if he decides to take it, they'll bring him back? That's what I wonder about. Or is it just, hey, nobody wants anybody to think that they want to move on. But again, if you're the owners of the Wilfs, if you're the GM, if you're the head coach, how are you watching this and being like, no, it's fine. We'll be right there. We'll be right there with these guys. Uh, You couldn't, right? Mateo says, Matthew, after this game, can we talk about how clear it is that you need a quarterback who can move? Kirk is a no, and Penix is a statue as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, look, you're preaching to the choir with that. Uh, I've always been intrigued by Penix because of the arm talent, and I've always felt like you need an answer when that stuff happens, when you get blitzed and you get rushed, that you need to have either get rid of the ball quick, like I was talking about with Brady, or be able to throw deep down the field with accuracy. And look, Jared Goff was almost in this game, not a mobile quarterback, but to your point, I overall, I agree with you. I mean, this is like a lifelong held belief that in the backyard as a kid, nobody's going, watch me be a statue. They're saying, look at me, be Brett Favre, right? They're saying, look at me, be Steve Young or Steve McNair or Michael Vick, or uh, so many other quarterbacks that have mobility and playmaking. And and that was really because the 49ers receivers were not open all the time in this game. It was actually Brock Purdy's legs a couple of times making plays that were there to put them in position to maybe win this game. So yes, I mean, overall, generally, I agree with you. Yeah, I think Michael Penix probably is more of a backup type of quarterback in the long run. Bo Nix is mobile. J.J. McCarthy is mobile. The other guys are special when it comes to this. Make sure you get one of them. That's the bottom line. Uh, Scott says we are uh, as much of a rebuild territory as we are a retool territory. If the organization can't recognize that, we stay in the middle. You don't have to necessarily if you find the quarterback. And, And that's really what it comes down to is you don't have to stay in purgatory because you can very quickly improve your roster in other places. So I think of it this way. There's not many quarterbacks who are really good, but there are quite a few defensive ends who are good. There's quite a few corners who are good. There's always people popping up to trade for or to spend money on. So when you go to free agency, for example, if you go to overthecap.com and look at free agency, you'll find five guys at every position who you're like, yeah, that could make us really awesome. The problem is you're never the team that is in a position to make the offer that gets that guy to come here or in the position to make the trade and sign that is able to, to acquire that player. Uh, and Gary says, what about paying Jefferson all that money? Well, um, I won't go over this in super big detail, but I even created a mock Jefferson contract that didn't take up 10% of the salary cap for like three years. So you can absolutely build around that contract. The difference is, and this is like a Nick Bosa thing. The difference is Justin Jefferson is the number one player at his position. You can pay the number one player at his position, especially when it's not that expensive of a position. It is expensive, but it's still 15 million less than a quarterback. And that's just on an average per year basis. If you sign him to a five-year extension, you could spread that out with restructures. With Kirk, there's only so much you can do with three-year contracts or short extensions. His three-year $84 million guaranteed first contract, it's all guaranteed. You can't work around that. You can't mess with the cap. With If you were to sign Jefferson to $130 million with 75 guaranteed, well, then you can work around that. But it's just not the same. That would be an ultimate apples to oranges type of comparison. They're just not the same. You can easily pay the number one player at his position. You can't pay 
the number 12 player like the number one player. That's what I would say. Uh, Josh says, Mahomes is a combination of Alex Smith and McNabb. Reed finally found the combo he needed to start his dynasty. It's crazy, you're right, that he has all the leadership capabilities of Alex Smith, all the short passing, all the like, you know, he can understand the defense and he's gotten smarter and smarter over the years. And then he's got the scrambling and then he's got the playmaking and it's a sick combination. And, and look, you should never stop looking for that guy. That's how I would look at it. You should never stop looking for that guy. If you have a good quarterback, never stop looking for a great one, no matter what happens. And uh, I agree with Skull Vikings, catch a punt, make an extra point. That's the thing, man. But you know, the chiefs fumbled, the chiefs had some penalties. They had a guy run backwards for no reason whatsoever. I mean, Things happened on both sides. And ultimately, one team needed a touchdown and the other team got a field goal. And that was it. The greatest quarterback got a touchdown because that's what he does. Uh, Alexander says, how do you construct a team to beat Mahomes? The Niners have the best roster in the NFL and failed. How do you beat the Chiefs? Oh, if I knew, buddy, they'd pay me a lot more money. I mean, since so many of you are watching, YouTube's giving me a good amount now. That's great, but uh, not enough. They don't think I'm that smart that I know how to beat the Chiefs. Nobody knows how to beat the Chiefs. That's the point. When the other team has the greatest quarterback, there's not a whole lot you can do. So there is no, there's no construct. They did it exactly right. San Francisco built their team to beat the Chiefs. They did. They built their team with a amazing defensive line that bothered Mahomes and give them credit. They were really smart in the way they rushed the passer. They rushed the passer in a wide kind of way. And you saw Nick Bosa, even at times just sort of standing there going like, I'm not letting you scramble. I'm not letting you scramble. So they have the best uh, defensive end in the league. They have a great defensive line. They've just poured on defensive talent. And then on the offensive side, playmakers on playmakers on playmakers. I mean, that's, that is just Like it's impossible because Kansas city does a lot of things right too. That's the other thing. Kansas city, they built their team. Well, too, they coach their team. Well, too, except for theirs guy is a little bit better. Um, at the end of the day, Aaron says, Mahomes has a $57 million cap hit, uh, next year, 37 this year, probably going to adjust that. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, that was another thing that Mahomes did. He did a Brady thing where he set his contract up. So it's really moldable and they will mold it into the future. I'm sure. Uh, Dan says, what is this beating the blitz thing you speak of? We don't do that in Minnesota. Sometimes uh, cousins has been good over the years because he's very smart. And this is the thing about, you know, Kirk cousins in general is that he's got a lot of skills that make him a really, really good NFL quarterback. And that's what makes him so hard to walk away from is that you always think that you're going to be right there, right there. And you are in a lot of ways. You're in a lot of games. You're very close. You get down in a game. He throws for 350 yards. You lose by one score. We were right there. And how many times do we hear? If only this guy caught the ball. If only they hadn't called the penalty. If only, if only, if only, if only, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many of those with Kirk over the years that it's pretty clear that that's just how the game works and the best elevate past that. And uh, gosh, San Francisco and uh, Kansas city, they were the best and they played one heck of a game, one heck of a game uh, throughout this night and the second half, especially it was very exciting. It ends up being a really good super bowl overall. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see how it went. It was very tense at the end, man. If you weren't gripping the edge of the couch at the end, then (laughs) wow. You know, so it's, uh, yeah. What a night, what a season, huh? What a season. And I appreciate all of the participation here tonight in the chat, all of you watching an incredible and incredible season overall. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Patrick Mahomes, He's put himself in a place that is hard to beat. And the only thing that you have going for you is he's not in the NFC. He is in the AFC. So the door is still open. And you know what? If this had been the Vikings tonight, oh, well, like at least you're there, right? At least you're there. If it's them in the NFC championship and they lose it, at least you're there. 
that's what you should be going for. And, you know, is Mahomes inevitable? Maybe. But some year he won't be there. Oh, well. Like, you're going to have to take a shot at it to be where these teams were tonight. And you're going to have to learn from what these teams did. One of them took a shot at a super athletic freak show quarterback, and it worked. The other team got a cheap quarterback who was good enough and built an amazing team around him and was this close to beating the greatest quarterback. That's the way. That's the only way. The way is not bringing back a 36-year-old veteran who is limited and who is not going to be able to escape if there's a rush and make a play and pop that ball out to Christian McCaffrey the way that Brock Purdy did or scramble around and escape and, and create a first down the way that Purdy did. He doesn't even have that tool in the bag, so he has to rely on entirely being pocket passer, pocket passer. How many three and outs, how many strip sacks through the years have we seen cost them games or keep them in close games when they shouldn't be? It's just not enough. And it's too expensive. And so everything always kind of funnels back to that. But a great, a great night, a super exciting Super Bowl. And I had a feeling that this would be the case where the buildup was terrible. There was nothing interesting at all about the buildup. It was, hey, are we mad about Taylor Swift? Does anyone want to debate me on Brock Purdy? No, no, no one cares about any of that. Uh, And yet when we got actually to the field and we got actually to the game, It was a great game. It was a great battle between two really good teams. And unfortunately, one team had to lose. But off to a new season. And that's what I'm excited about, folks. This show is not slowing down. It's not stopping. Because every day, there's going to be something new. There's going to be a new guest to bring on. There's going to be new perspectives to bring. There's going to be new news that comes out. There's going to be new rumors. And this is where it will be. Everybody else takes vacation. Guess what this guy does not do? Why would I take a vacation from football? That's not what we do. We continue to talk football. So I've got guests already lined up for next week. It's going to be super exciting to dive in. Now we are in off-season mode officially. And when a rumor pops up, We're going to be talking about it. So I appreciate all of you jumping in here. Huge crowd tonight after the Super Bowl to talk about it from a Vikings perspective. Hopefully, if you're new to the show, you stick around, you keep watching, you keep listening. Check out purpleinsider.com. That's where the newsletter is. Articles come out every day as well. So thank you so much to everybody for watching. I'm really glad we could uh, break it all down. And guess what? We'll be back tomorrow. So we'll have more breakdown on the Super Bowl, more talk about what comes next for the Minnesota Vikings. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching slash listening, and we will catch you next time. Football.